Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording, Ryan McIntyre shares a story about how fear is sometimes a good thing. I think fear gets a bad rap. I mean, think about it. Think about the way that we talk about fear. Oh, what's wrong, man? You afraid? Scared of cat, chicken, wuss? Like, and that's like the, the PG version of what it is that we say. Uh, and I don't think that's fair. Like, I feel bad for fear because it's a good thing. Right? Fear is a good thing. Right? Without fear, we can't be brave. Without fear, it's not as much of a risk. Without fear, we can't overcome a challenge. And I've been afraid a lot in my life. Growing up, I was a really awful child. I was terrible. Like, my mother, bless her heart, like, I was horrible. Uh, I got into fights with everybody. I screamed, I yelled, I always did the wrong thing. And, And I had all of these people around me, counselors and teachers and other kids' parents and my family members who just said, look, Ryan's gonna end up a nothing, a nobody. He's going to be a strung out, worthless druggie with a bunch of pregnant women in his past and either dead or in jail. That's what many people told my mom I was going to be. And I was afraid. I was afraid they were right. I was afraid that that was an accurate description of my life. And so... I took that fear, and and I'm not trying to get all Yoda on you, but my fear became anger, right? And so I took all of that anger, and I, that was, it fueled me. That's what I used. I lived off anger for years, that fear-driven anger, and that led me to do two things. One was eat, just eat, just eat, and eat, and eat, and eat, and then not be hungry, and eat, And the other one was to get into fights, fist fights, altercations. And I'd fight anybody. Other kids, fight. Other kids' parents, fight. Cops, fight. I would fight anybody over stupid stuff. Like stupid machismo, like, you just stepped on my shoe, mother And I'm talking middle school, this was going on. And so I get to high school, and I figure, what does an angry teenager do? Play sports. <laughs> so I was a wrestler. Uh, I wrestled. I was not a good wrestler by any means, but I figured sports, ah, that's what you do with anger. You play sports uh, because I'm an American. Uh, uh, and, and during rehearsal, <laughs> rehearsal, during practice, <laughs> you can tell sports didn't pan out for me. During practice, uh, one of the heavy baits, I was also a heavyweight, but one of the heavyweights, he fell, his knee landed right on my shin. Um, I was a bottom at the time. And so I hurt my leg. There we go. A couple of people got that one. Uh, I hurt my leg really badly. I couldn't wrestle. I couldn't wrestle for the rest of the semester. Uh, I also couldn't take my extra phys ed class. I had to drop that and find a different elective, and I was afraid. I was afraid because I had built this persona of this angry jock. Uh, And now that was gone. And so I tried to find something that didn't scare me. And what didn't scare me was a drama class. 
a drama class. That would be easy. A bunch of little artsy, fartsy, little, you know, playing, acting. And, uh, and so I signed up for that. And a couple weeks in, I realized I was having fun. Like, this was kind of neat. It was weird, and it was a little scary, but, uh, but it was okay. And after a couple of weeks, the teacher, we had two teachers in that drama class, Mr. Cusimano and Mr. Maynes. And Mr. Maynes and I didn't get along very well, but I respected both of them, and they were really great teachers. Uh, I remember them to, them to this day, if you're listening, all of this because of the two of you. Um, so Mr. Cusimano said, Ryan, I want you to come out and audition for the fall play. Um, uh, the Diviners. I, I think you'd be really good for it. And so I was like, well, that's weird, but okay, I'll do that. Uh, and I went out, um, and I was nervous, and I was scared, but I got the part. I got, like, the lead part in high school. Yay! Um, and I really fell in love with it. Like, I really fell in love with this whole, like, theater thing. And it was scary, but it was a good scary. Right? Like, I felt fear every rehearsal because I had to be vulnerable and I had to come out and pretend to be scared and cry on stage. And that's weird. I was scared because I had to pretend to be someone else scared. Like, I ruined an entire rehearsal because I couldn't come on stage crying. Like, I was supposed to, like, be crying and upset, and all I could do was come on stage and laugh. But what happened over the next four years was I took all that fear... And instead of channeling it, you know, from my fist into someone else's jaw, I channeled that fear into the creation of a character. I channeled that fear into reading and understanding the classics. I took that fear and turned it into art. I mean, not that many high school plays are art, but at the time I thought, you know, hey, this is fantastic, Olivier and all that kind of stuff. Um, And it changed stuff. I lost weight. My relationship with my... Friends got better. I met a whole new group of friends. My relationship with my family, with my mom, got better. My grades went up. And it was always scary being out on stage, but it was a good scared. And so I decided I wanted to do theater, and I decided because of these two high school teachers that put up with this, uh, I wanted to teach. I wanted to be a professor. I wanted to be a professor in college because I didn't want to deal with me in high school again, so I wanted to be a professor. Um, and I didn't have any money. I mean, my family. We didn't have any money. So I went, all right, this is what we do. Uh, I will join the Army. I will get college paid for. Uh, I'll have a career path. I will become a professor. And so I did that. That was my goal. I worked to that for four years. And I went to my recruiter, I took all the tests, everything was going great. They dropped me off at the entrance program, uh, and I answered questions wrong, and I had things from my history and my past, and I got disqualified from the army before I ever got going. And again, like, my buddy, fear, was back. Because all of my plans were gone. I didn't have a career. I didn't have a way to pay for school. I I didn't know what I was going to do. Everything I had crafted fell apart. And I was afraid. And so I scrambled, and my teachers helped me, my counselors helped me. I applied to one university, one school, Central Missouri State, on the other side of uh, of the state. No one from my high school went there. And I saw that, while it was scary, as a chance to reinvent who I was, and that was great. So I went to that school, found a way to pay for it. My mom helped a ton. 
uh, and I got there. And I was surrounded by all of these other actors who were so much better than I was. I, they were fantastic. And my faculty were, were, was full of professional actors. And, and I tried hard, but I was always afraid I wasn't good enough. I was always afraid that I'd be forgotten, that I, that I wouldn't get cast. Every actor fears that, but that I'd be forgotten, that I'd be a nobody, uh, that I'd get left behind. So the end of my freshman year, I went to my mentor, John Wilson, very good friend of mine to this day. Um, we stayed pretty close. And he said, well, Ryan, you're playing it safe. You're not making bold choices. You're scared to put yourself out there. You need to take bigger risks. And that's what I needed to hear. I figured it out. I went home that summer. I found monologues. I t poured through everything. And I found the one, this one monologue. And I knew this is what I needed to do when I got back to school. Because throughout the course of the monologue, the writing was OK. It wasn't great, but it was OK. But throughout the course of the monologue, you got naked. You got, I know that's a funny thought, but I had to get naked. And so I practiced. I learned the monologue. I was like, all right, on this line, that's when I'm going to unbutton the top button. On this line, that's when I'm going to do the second button. This is when I take my shirt off, and, right? And I got back. I got back to school. This is the only thing I'd practiced. I walked in to the Highlander Theater expecting to see the three faculty directors and instead saw every faculty member that they had, including the adjuncts and the special guest artist and six senior student directors. <laughs> but I hadn't practiced anything else. And my heart's going like a thousand miles an hour, and I'm like, okay, this is my choice. Here we go. And I start. No, I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> and, I can, like, and I can't see them. It's like now. Like, I can't see you. I couldn't see them, but I could feel them be uncomfortable as I'm getting to the last line of the monologue, and I've taken everything else off, and I'm, and I'm in my boxers, and I realize this is it, right? And I pull my boxers down, and I stand forward, and I deliver the last line of my monologue in front of all of these people, this pale, chubby, and I would like to put it out there in case anyone that was there ever hears this. The Highlander is also very cold. <laughs> and I say, thank you very much. And I pull up my underwear and I take my clothes and I leave. I did not get cast in anything that semester, by the way. But I graduated. Um, I was a little less scared of every bold choice then. And I went to grad school. And like so many people in grad school, um, out here in Virginia, I went to grad school and, and I met a girl. I met a girl. Um, and I went to a really, really conservative, very religious grad school. And funny story, I'm neither of those things. <laughs> but they had a good program. And I meet this girl. And everyone in my program, and her, and her whole family are very conservative and very religious. And, and I decide, yeah, let's make this work. 
And so we date, and it's not good dating. We're not good for each other, but we dated for a while, and so I guess that means it's something. And so we got engaged. In the last year of my grad program, uh, we made this really smart choice. We would get married halfway through, so I got an apartment by myself that I couldn't afford because for two months, I would be by myself. We would get married. She would come in. She already had a job. She had already graduated. She would pay for stuff. And then one morning, I'm on the phone with what I figure is my soon-to-be father-in-law as he tells me that he just doesn't feel that he can allow me to marry his daughter anymore. See, the night before we had gotten to a big fight, not me and her, no, her and her family, me and, me and her family, her entire family got into a fight over the reception dinner. They wanted like five or six other people to be there, and I had decided, no, this is the hill that I fight and die on. No, they cannot be there. My family's paying for the rehearsal dinner. Fuck you guys. This can't be it. Right? And now, hindsight, like, I was trying to sabotage that relationship. It was not a good fit. Uh, but I, I, was, I was in his home, and I said some of the most screwed up stuff. Um, specifically, I told him that he wasn't able to run his own family, and that if only he was able to be a real man and keep his wife in check, I wouldn't have to be doing it for him now. No, right, yes, you're right. <laughs> that is some fucked up shit to say. Like, and I, like, and no, that was wrong. I, I'm ashamed of that now. Like, that's some sexist, misogynistic, evil stuff to say. And I didn't mean it, but boy, did I say it. And he hangs up the phone. And I'm literally ripping my hair out. And, and, and screaming and crying, and there's snot and tears and drool. Like, I don't know if you've ever been that upset before, but if you have, I was there. And, and I'm calling her, and I'm calling her friends. I'm driving to her friend's house trying to find her. My life falls apart, and I'm terrified. I can't pay my rent. I can't pay any of my bills. I, I get evicted. My world collapses. Not just where I was, but everyone around me. See, her family, that religious community, that school, all of those people abandoned me. All of those people said, this is your fault. And I'll tell you this right now, it was. It was my fault. We were a horrible match. And I was so scared because I had surrounded myself with these people that I hated. Look, I'm not here to judge them. I'm sure in their heart of hearts, they thought they were doing the right thing, but they always made me feel, everyone at the school, their family, everyone that was around me, made, treated me, talked to me like I was okay, but if only I would fall in line with their moral and religious beliefs, I would be better. I wasn't accepted. I was marginally tolerated for three years. And I was terrified. I was scared. I was afraid because... One, I was afraid that they were going to find out I was an imposter, that I didn't think or feel like them. But I was also afraid that if I had kept pretending to be like them, 
I was going to become them. And so those three years and the time after that breakup, those were really scary. But I found some new friends and things got better. And much later, I met a very different woman. And I remember at two o'clock in the afternoon in April, years after that, again, my heart was going a thousand miles an hour and my stomach was turned inside out. And I was scared. As I said my vows to the woman that's now my wife, a different woman that is now my wife, a perfect partner and equal, I was scared. But just like in the past a couple of times, it was a good fear. It was a good kind of scare, the kind of scare that doesn't deserve a bad rap because I knew it was the kind of scare that meant this is the right kind of risk and this is the good choice to make and things are going to change, but that's scary but good. So like I said, I think fear gets a bad rap. Superman can't be brave. Because Superman can't be hurt. And so he can't be afraid. But we can. And what I think is that when we stick it out, we find something really beautiful on the other side of fear. If you'd like to tell a story like this one, or just come out and see the show, visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org, where you'll find a list of upcoming shows, submission information, contact forms, and more Storyteller podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.